Well, good morning. During uh, 2022, we have been emphasizing growing in our intimacy with God. We began back last winter focusing on knowledge of self, knowing that knowledge of self leads to knowledge of God. Then this summer, we focused on knowing God. We asked all of you to read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, and we began this series of walking through the greatest story from Genesis to Revelation. Now, this fall, we're looking at knowing God together through our corporate worship, through community groups, men's and women's Bible studies, prayer, and serving together. And as we grow in our intimacy with each other and with God, we learn to care about the things that God cares about. For example, my mom, she told me, uh, she's one of 13, that she grew up and she did not like sports at all. But when she met my dad, my dad was, played football, and he was a huge North Carolina State fan. And so over the years, as she grew in her intimacy with my dad, and she came to love and care for him, she then in turn cared about the things he cared about. And so if you came to our house on any Sunday, you would see NFL football on the TV. And actually, my mom was more committed to it than my dad was. She loved it. Likewise, as we grow in our intimacy with God, we begin to care about the things that God cares about. We care about God's secret rescue plan. We care about who and what God values. This morning, we're looking at one of the most incredible passages in Scripture. Jesus anointing at Bethany. And Jesus tells us in verse 9 that this story is so extraordinary that every time the gospel is preached, the story of this woman and the anointing will be told as well. Because in this story, we see into the heart of Jesus. And we discover two things about Jesus and what Jesus cares about. And those two things are the things that I want to talk about this morning. First, we discover that Jesus cares for the poor. And then secondly, that Jesus cares for more than the poor. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we are grateful for the opportunity to come and worship. Lord, we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear. To many of us, this is a very familiar passage. And so, Lord, would you teach us something new from it this morning? Would you stir our hearts? Would you draw us to yourself? And as we fall deeper in love with you, Lord, would you help us to care about the things that you care about? And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you, you can open your bulletins, you can look in your Bibles or on your Bible app. And the first thing that we see in our passage this morning is that Jesus cares for the poor. Now, the interesting thing about hurricanes, Hurricane Ian just came through and I was talking to a friend in Florida and he said, it was amazing, the storm, the initial wave of the storm came through, winds, rain, it was awful, lightning, and then the eye of the storm came over them. And he said it was almost as if 
the storm wasn't there at all. He went outside. The sun was actually breaking through. There was no wind. There was no rain. But all around him, he could see the storm raging. This morning, in our passage, Jesus and his disciples, they're in the eye of the storm. In verses 1 and 2, we're told it's two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread where hundreds of thousands of Jews from all over the region were going to descend on Jerusalem to celebrate and commemorate God's deliverance from the Egyptians. There was a lightness and a joy in the air. But we read in verses 2, there's a storm brewing all around because the chief priests and the scribes, they were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But on this day, they were gathered in Bethany, just on the outskirts of Jerusalem, at the house of Simon the leper. The Jesus storybook says, when night came, Jesus sat down for dinner at an important leader's house. The important leader invited his important friends. They were all just sitting down to eat when a woman walking in She was not invited, but everyone knew who she was. In verse 3, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over Jesus' head. The important people, as they saw what she was doing, they, they were indignant over what they thought was the apparent waste of resources. And in verse 4, they asked Jesus, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment, it could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And then they scolded her. And I love Jesus' response in verse 6 and 7. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. Jesus defends what those gathered thought was a waste. He understood completely how expensive this alabaster jar of perfume was. And he knew that that could have been used for the poor. But he also understood the heart behind what this woman was doing. And he said it was a beautiful thing. Now, as we read Jesus' words, it would be easy to, to misinterpret them, to think that Jesus was saying that he didn't care about the poor. But the wonderful thing about Scripture is if we want to understand and interpret it correctly, the best way to do that is to look to other Scriptures. And as we look at Jesus saying, you can do good for them whenever you want, to our ears we think Jesus is just making a statement. But to the Jews' ears that were familiar with Deuteronomy, they understood that he was literally quoting from Deuteronomy 15.11, which says this, 
There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and need in your land. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 15.11 to make his point that he does care for the poor. Don't misinterpret when he says what she's doing is a beautiful thing. Don't think that Jesus doesn't care about the poor. In the parable of the great banquet, Jesus says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you and be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is a friend to sinners. He loves and cares for the poor. And we hear him proclaim that in our passage this morning. But we also see him demonstrate his care for the poor as he moves toward this woman. For this woman, she was poor in body and in spirit. She had not been invited to the dinner party. And when she broke in, the important people, they didn't even see her as a fellow image bearer. All they could see were the things which she had done, which they deemed as sinful. But Jesus, Jesus cared for her, a poor person. The Jesus storybook says, Jesus looked at the woman and he smiled at her. What she had done is the most wonderful thing. And then turning to the invited guests, the Jesus storybook says that Jesus said to them, you look down on this woman because you don't look up to God. She is sinful on the outside, but you are sinful on the inside. And so as we read this very familiar text today, many have misapplied it. And they said Jesus is ultimately saying that he doesn't care about the poor. But we know that as he quotes Deuteronomy 15, that he does care about the poor. And we see in his actions toward this poor woman moving toward her, that he loves and cares for her. In God's kingdom, Jesus says the unnamed, the uninvited, and poor are equally important. She is worthy of Jesus' gaze. And instead of treating her with indignation like the other guests, Jesus, he moves towards her. And he cares for her. During her Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech in 1979, Mother Teresa said this, I never forget a little child who taught me a very beautiful lesson. They heard in Calcutta, the children, that Mother Teresa has no sugar for her children. And this little one, a Hindu boy, four years old, he went home and he told his parents, I will not eat sugar for three days. And then after three days, I'll gather all that sugar and I'll bring it to Mother Teresa. And there was this little one who could scarcely pronounce my name. He loved with a great love. He loved until it hurt. And this is what I bring before you, she said, to love one another 
until it hurts. But don't forget that there are many children, many children, many men and women who haven't got what you have. And remember to love them until it hurts. I can enjoy this, but I give it up. I could eat that sugar, but I give that sugar up. You would be surprised of the beautiful things that people do to share the joy of giving. Mother under Teresa, as she grew in her intimacy with God, she understood that Jesus cared about the poor. And as she cared about Jesus, she cared about the things that Jesus cared about. And therefore, she cared about the poor. It's hard to believe that 14 years ago, this week, we planted Hope Chapel. And we had 25 folks. We met in Lindley Elementary School in the auditorium. And we were working on the vision of the church, the vision that we have now, that we've had for 14 years. And that we, as a church, wanted to be a gospel community to bring about the spiritual, social, and cultural renewal for the city and beyond. And I am so thankful for those 25 saints, many of you are still sitting here this morning, who locked arms with me and Michael and Hannah and kind of entered into the impossible. And one of the things that I'm so thankful for is that you were committed to caring for the poor, to bring about social renewal, And in those early days, what we did is every small group, we had different partners, every small group every month would go out and partner with those partners to meet the disenfranchised of our city and to care for them. And then once a quarter, the whole church would gather and we would have a day of hope where we would come together and we would care for the poor. And then over the years, that morphed into different things. We were at Jones Elementary We were at Newcomer's School, and then now we are partnering with Out of the Garden. And my hope is, because when you and I fall deeper in love with Jesus, we will care about what He cares about. And in our passage today, we learn that He cares about the poor. And so my hope is, in 2023, that we expand our partners again. We kind of go back to what we used to do. And we used to have 80 or 90% participation from the church. Unfortunately, now we only have about 10% participation. And so my hope is in 2023, because we know how much God loves the poor and because we love God, not out of an act to gain his love, but because we are loved by him, that we will in turn love the poor. And that you'll come out on Saturday. And I know it's a sacrifice, but you'll bring your children, you'll come out, and you'll partner with us the first Saturday as we do out of the garden. And then as we add different partners, it will be a sacrifice. There'll be soccer games that'll have to be sacrificed. There'll be dance recitals that'll have to be sacrificed. There'll be vacations that might have to be sacrificed. But because we love Jesus and we know that he loves the poor, my hope is at the end of 2023, I can stand here and say we have 80 to 90% participation in our church again. 
when it comes to bringing about social renewal in our city and in our world. In our passage this morning, the first thing that we see is that Jesus cares for the poor. And then secondly, we see that Jesus cares for more than the poor. While it's true that Jesus cares for the poor, what we see in our text is there's something more that he cares about. Jesus cares about us worshiping him. The first question to the Westminster Confession of Faith is what is man's chief end? And the answer, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God created you and me to worship him. And Jesus, he understood that God is most satisfied when we find our satisfaction in him. So it's fitting in our text today when this unnamed woman intrudes on this private dinner party and bows before Jesus, anointing his head with the perfume, that Jesus doesn't scoff at her like the others, but instead he commends her for her beautiful act of worship. He tells those at the table, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And then verse 7 and 8, For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. So do that, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. I love that. She has done all that she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. The Jesus Storybook says, Just as Samuel had anointed David, God's true king, all those years before, so this woman had anointed Jesus. The woman offers what is most precious to her to anoint Jesus as the one true king. Those gathered there, they didn't understand her unfettered faith and adoration. Nor did she or anyone else understand that Jesus the King would have to die and to, to set them free. But she did all she could. And isn't that the mark of worship? Freely offering all that we are and have to exalt our one true King, regardless, regardless of what others around us think or say. N.T. Wright commenting on this passage, he says, It always happens when people decide to worship Jesus without inhibition, to pour out their valuables, their stories, their dancing, their music before him, just the way they feel like doing, that others looking on find the spectacle embarrassing and distasteful. When we worship God with our heart, mind, and soul, people might not understand. When you worship God, when you say to them on Sundays that you're coming to gather with God's people, they look at you and say, why would you do that when it's a beautiful day and you could go play golf today? They scoff at you. They don't understand what you're doing. But Jesus says that's what you were created for, to worship him. And it's a beautiful thing. 
John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, writes this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Jesus cares about us worshiping our heavenly Father. Jesus longs for us to worship him. And as we fall deeper in love with him and we care about the things that he cares about, then our hearts will care about bowing down before him and worshiping him. Most of you are familiar with the Matt Redmond song, The Heart of Worship. But what you might not be familiar with is the reason that Matt Redmond wrote this song. David Trader, a porter, writes, The song dates back to the late 1990s, born from a period of apathy with Matt's home church, Soul Survivor, in Watford, England. Despite the country's overall contribution to the current worship revival, Redmond's congregation, it was struggling to find meaning in its musical outpouring at the time. There was a dynamic missing, and so the pastor did a very brave thing. He decided to get rid of the sound system, the band, and then to say, we're just going to gather together with our voices. His point was that we'd lost our way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart of worship would be to strip everything away. Reminding his church family to, to be producers in worship, not just consumers, the pastor said. When you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? Matt says the question initially led to some embarrassing silence. But eventually, people broke into a cappella songs and heartfelt prayers, encountering God in a fresh new way. And then he said, before long, we reintroduced the musicians, the sound system, and we gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus, not about us. We're not coming as consumers. Each of us are coming as producers. The woman in the story loved Jesus so much so that she risked her life. She entered this dinner party that she wasn't invited. She bowed down. She gave what was most precious to her, this alabaster jar a perfume, and she broke it, and she anointed Jesus' head. And what does Jesus say? This is a beautiful act of worship. My hope for us here at Hope Chapel is that like my mom over 64 years of being with my dad, she began to care about the things that my dad cared about. 
and vice versa. My dad began to care about the things that my mom cared about. And as we get to know Jesus, as we fall deeper in love with him, my hope is that we will care about the things that Jesus cares about. And in our text this morning, we were reminded that Jesus cares about the poor. And if we love Jesus, we too will care about the poor. We will give even when it hurts and is inconvenient and uncomfortable and maybe even dangerous. And in our text this morning, we also see that Jesus cares about us worshiping him. And so we gather together on Sundays as an opportunity for us as a corporate community to bow our hearts, our minds, our bodies before the Lord and to praise Him, to sing songs, to hear God's Word, to confess our sin, to receive the assurance of our forgiveness, to partake at this table, and then to be blessed and sent out so that we can continue to worship every hour of every day. My staff worker gave me this verse. She laminated it and she said, keep this in your Bible. And when you've lost your way and you've forgotten what Jesus cares about, I want to encourage you to take it out and read it. And I'll end with this. It's Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, Paul says, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Caring for the poor and worshiping our Lord. I can't think of a better way to live our life. And I hope the next 14 years, our church will be marked by both. A love for the poor and a love for Jesus. Amen.